So our Bible reading is John chapter 12. You can follow through on the board or in your own Bible. John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Thanks, Peter. Well, we're at that time of the year, aren't we, where we begin to think through what the year is all going to be about. Some of you will be list makers, and over the last few weeks, you would have had um, pieces of paper out in the dining room table, and you would have been writing down lists of what you think 2021 is all going to be about for you. It's also that time of the year, isn't it, where we weigh up what we think is important for ourselves. It's a time of the year where we also do those most horrible of things, which is to make New Year's resolutions. I wonder if you've made any of those this year. Typically, they revolve around things like exercise or diet or those sorts of things. I wonder, have you uh, signed up for a gym membership yet this year? Or have you um, purchased some sort of dieting help this year? In our house, we have a new book on our dining room table called the Fast 800. I wonder if others of you have a similar sort of thing happening at this time of the year. You know, so prevalent is the making of resolutions at this time of the year that you even see articles in the newspaper. I've got one on the screen here that was published on New Year's Day on the ABC website by Christian Swan about how to make your goals more achievable. And it's actually a a pretty good article. But even if you're not a list maker or a resolution maker, I think this is the time of the year where you start to plan, where you think ahead and you wonder what's going to happen next. I've been busy working on plans for how we'll run kids ministry this year and what community groups will look like for us at church here. Might even be the slightly less serious. You may be beginning to wonder if this is the last year or the year that you stick with Port Power or are you going to switch this year to jump on the Richmond train. Now, we do all sorts of different New Year's resolutions, don't we? But there are also some significant questions that we ask at this time of the year. Where will I go to church this year? Where will the kids go to school? What sort of extracurricular activities will we do as a family? How many days a week am I going to work this year? Some of us love asking these questions. Some of us are planners and we quite enjoy working through these things. The rest of us find that kind of thinking forward to be quite a daunting task. Today, I want you to leave church here this morning 
contemplating just one thing about the year ahead. Here's that thing. What will devotion to Jesus look like for you in 2021? Because in the passage that Peter read to us this morning, I think this is what we see. We see unbridled devotion to Jesus. It's a powerful image, isn't it? A raw image of a woman breaking perfume over Jesus' feet, letting her hair down and then wiping his feet with her hair. If it's nothing else, it's about being devoted to Jesus and it's supposed to be moving. Now, if this is your first time or your first time in a long time looking at this section of the Bible, at John or John chapter 12, you might be wondering kind of what's happened up until this point that a woman would break an expensive bottle of perfume on the feet of Jesus. Now, the answer, of course, is that just before this, we've seen the rising of Lazarus. Now, many of you will have heard of Lazarus before. It's a really famous story in the Bible. He's the man that Jesus raised to life. You can read about it back in chapter 11. I'm going to read to you just a little bit from verse 40 of chapter 11. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? You'll see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. That was the stone on on Lazarus' tomb. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Jesus calls out to a dead man and he comes out of his tomb. Jesus had also been talking with the Mary in this passage and Martha, her sister, back in chapter 11 before this little event had happened and he'd been telling them that, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever believes in me will never die. And he asked Martha this question, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into this world. Such a wonderful declaration on the lips of Martha about who Jesus is, the Son of God who has come into the world. In chapter 11, it's just this amazing event of a dead man being raised so that the glory of God will be seen. How do you think Mary and Martha felt after this event? Their brother was dead and he was raised. There he is, alive and kicking. Pretty impressive, isn't it? That's the immediate context to chapter 12. Jesus has just raised Lazarus. And and so there's now a dinner being held. And it's a dinner being held in honor of Jesus. Let me just reread some of the words that Peter read from um, uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. You've got this dead man eating dinner with them and Martha serving. And it's a dinner held in honour of Jesus. And and in a way, like, it's fairly common. We do this all the time, don't we? We celebrate a guest of honour by giving them a dinner. A very similar sort of thing will happen at 40th birthdays or 30th birthdays. And in that case, all the person's really done to be the guest of honour is to not die before they get to their birthday. 
Jesus has said that he is the resurrection and the life. And to prove it, he's raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember, he'd been in the ground for four days. Martha was worried about the stink that would have accompanied that. It's so incredible what's just happened. And so as I read this, I think, is a dinner really enough? Is that how you honor the man who just raised someone from the dead? And I reckon Mary feels this tension as well. And so at some point in the proceedings, the perfume happens. Let me read from verse 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Mary takes a jar or a bottle of, of nard and poured it over Jesus' feet. You can apparently still get nard today. I, I tried to find some so that we could smell it in this room this morning, but it's not very common even today. It's made from a plant called a spikenard, and it's apparently an aromatic amber-coloured liquid that smells both earthy and musky, and it's still quite expensive today. But in one sense, it's probably not all that different to any other perfume that you might have at home. And this may be a surprise to some of you, but I'm not a big perfume guy. In fact, I don't think I've got a single bottle of perfume or aftershave anywhere at home. Some of you may think that I need to invest in that area, but I haven't done that yet. And so just to kind of get my head around how this all works, this week I did a bit of research on perfume. I learned that most perfume today comes in bottles of about 50 mils or, or maybe 100 mils. In contrast, Mary's bottle is a pint, about 600 mils. It's like the size of a bottle of Coke or a water bottle. And Mary pours it over Jesus' feet. And I think, you know, probably other parts of his body as well. Because it's not just a sprinkling, is it? It's not just a few mils of perfume that you might normally use. This is like a drenching, a wetting, 600 mils of the stuff. I think John, our author, wants us to see just how extravagant this is, how extreme this is. Mary's poured out the whole bottle of perfume and then she's let her hair down and she's wiping her hair over Jesus' feet. It's a remarkable story, isn't it? And just in case you're wondering like how extravagant this is, John tells us in verse 5 that the perfume was worth a year's wages. Now we had a look in the kids' talk this morning at Chanel number 5 and saw um, how valuable it was. I did some research this week to look at what is the average wage. Apparently it's about $1,714 a week or about $89,000 a year. It's quite a bit of money and it's an extreme amount of money to be spent all on perfume. We saw how expensive Chanel number no. 5 was. If you spent a year's worth of the average wage on Chanel number no. 5, today you could buy about 30 litres of the stuff. Imagine spending that much on perfume. You'd just drench the person, wouldn't you? 30 litres on them. And, and Mary, she uses her hair as well. Can you imagine that happening today? Someone wiping their hair on someone else's feet. And, and yet back then the social norms weren't really different in this respect. Perhaps even more conservative than they are today. And John's showing us this is devotion. This is extravagance. This is extreme. 
And it seems in a way a bit wasteful, doesn't it? A year's worth of wages just blown in one event. And there's no putting the perfume back in the bottle afterwards, is it? It'll be all used up and if it's not, it'll be contaminated with whatever's between Jesus' toes. It's, it's not the sort of thing you can reuse. And the story, it's told in the other Gospels with some slight differences. In, in Mark, Mark makes it really clear that the bottle is broken. He's even clearer that the perfume can't be put back in. It's all been poured out. A year's worth of wages in one go. And as we read it, we kind of wonder then, is Jesus worth it? Is he worthy of the honour that Mary's just bestowed on him? Is he worth spending a whole year's worth of wages on? Is he worth the disgrace of letting your hair down and wiping his feet? Did Mary do the right thing? Did she act honourably? Well, it's clear to the others who are looking on that they think this is a bit over the top at the time. In John's Gospel, Judas objects. Couldn't the money have been given to the poor? And in Matthew's Gospels, the disciples call it a waste. In Mark, Mary's rebuked for her actions. And yet in each of these recordings, in each of the different Gospels where this story occurs, Jesus seems to imply that Mary's done the right thing. And so this story, I I, I hope it causes us to reflect on our lives. In what ways will we show devotion to Jesus this year? What will it look like for us to be devoted to Jesus in 2021? Will it be costly for us? It might not cost us monetarily, but it might be costly in other ways. Maybe this year devotion to Jesus will will mean a change in some of the way in which you go about working. Maybe that'll cause you the it'll cost you the next promotion in your workplace. Maybe this year, devotion to Jesus will mean turning away from a sinful tendency. That could be really hard work for you. Maybe you'll need to invite others into that area of your life, as painful as that may be, so that they can help you with that. Maybe devotion to Jesus this year will, will mean that you don't always have to be right when you argue with your spouse. Perhaps devotion and love of Jesus will mean that you're willing to be wrong even if deep down you know you're not. Maybe devotion this year will just look like spending more time with Jesus, however that comes about. Being involved in things that promote Jesus. Being involved in a Bible study group rather than a sporting team. Finding someone who you can be accountable to and honest with so that you might grow to be more like Jesus, more Christ-like. There will all be ways in which we might be able to express our devotion to Jesus this year. In our passage, Judas is appalled by Mary's devotion to Jesus and he comes up with an excuse. Let me read to you from verse 4. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. John, our author, doesn't have a high regard for Judas, does he, as he writes this. As we work our way through this passage, I want us to be careful and not to misread what John is telling us here. Because I don't think John wants us to stop giving to the poor today, or to stop helping the needy, 
in our situation today. Here in Adelaide, we have a very privileged life, don't we? In, particularly in this part of Adelaide, we are seriously well off. We have so much. And if you're not giving to those in need, I'd love to encourage you this year to think about doing that. In the past here at Trinity Church only, we've had the people from Compassion here. And it seems to me that the work that Compassion do supports the very vulnerable, the very needy and the very poor in this world. Partnering with them financially, I think, is a good thing for us to do. It seems to me at least part of the reason why Jesus commended Mary for her actions at this time was that in a strange way, what Mary is doing here prefigures the events of what, that are about to happen. We can only wonder what's going on in Mary's mind when she does this. We don't know what she knew would happen to Jesus. Carson, in his commentary on this part of John, says there's no clear evidence that Mary or anyone else understood before the cross that Jesus had to die. She meant this to be an act of costly, humble devotion. But like Caiaphas, the high priest from chapter 11, she signaled in her actions here more than she knew. What is it that she doesn't know about? Well, it's not unusual in the culture of Jesus' day for huge sums of money to be spent at funerals and particularly in the buying of perfume to cover the smell of decay. It's no wonder that Jesus links this activity of Mary here then to the events that are about to happen. See, he's about to die. He's about to die for Mary and Martha and for Lazarus. Indeed, he's about to die for you and me. Why is he about to die? Because he loves us. Because he loves Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Because he's devoted to us. Are you devoted to him? That's the question for this morning. There is another aspect to this story that I think is kind of interesting for us to note. In both Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel, the perfume is poured out on Jesus' head as a, as a kind of symbolic anointing, a kingly anointing. John doesn't mention that in his gospel, although with a whole pint of perfume, you would have thought there'd be enough to sprinkle on both his feet and his head and a few other bits of him as well. It's a lot of perfume that's being used. My guess is that John doesn't mention the head because... He's more interested in the feet. In fact, in chapter 13, he's going to go on to talk about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. But in the anointing of Jesus that we see in the other Gospels, we see the way in which this shows the kingly rule and kingly nature of Jesus. See, Mary here is expressing her devotion to the Messiah, to the King, to the one who was promised. And she does it with almost reckless regard for everything else. She's devoted to the king, and yet he's a king who's devoted to us. Are you devoted to him as well? If you are, you might be wondering this morning, should my devotion be as reckless as that of Mary's? wonder what you think. Should our devotion to Jesus be reckless? The breaking of a whole bottle of perfume, a year's worth of wages in one go. You might think I'd say yes is the answer to that question, but in a way I think the answer to that must be no. You see, we are at a different time in history to what Mary was. Jesus is not 
Jesus is not here with us in person as he was with Mary. So the Christian church today should not, I think, be built on the reckless use of money and resources. And to further explain what I mean here, I don't think that the building of extravagant buildings or the buying of expensive gold cups or plates or those sorts of things in the same way honours Jesus to what Mary was. He's worthy of great honour still, but we live in a different time. We live in the time in which the poor are with us today. But here's my hunch, and by looking around this building and by the way in which our church works, you'll see we don't spend reckless amounts of money on our building or on gold cups and plates and those sorts of things. And so it's my feeling that we're probably likely to swing in the other direction. My feeling is today that with all the competing pressures that we have in the modern world, we're more likely to just miss giving Jesus the honour and the glory and the devotion that he deserves. So today we know what Mary knew, we know Jesus is a great king, and yet we know with even greater clarity than Mary knew that he would give up his life for us. See, Mary's devotion at this point is a reflection on seeing Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. She understood him now as the Messiah. We know the whole story of who Jesus is. We know what happened to him. We know beyond a doubt that he is the one who came to die and the resurrection and the life. My encouragement then for you is we start off 2021 is to think through what devotion is going to look like to Jesus for us in this year. I don't think it's going to involve us breaking large bottles of perfume. But my prayer is that our devotion would be as meaningful and as real. My prayer is that our devotion, if it needs to be costly, that it will be. Perhaps you'll need to turn down some of the fleeting joys that this world offers in order to stay devoted to Jesus this year. And yet, what more could we do than give honour and praise and glory and devotion to the one who would give up his life for us? This year, I hope that being part of a church and hearing God's word spoken and singing praise to him and offering prayers and petitions to God with brothers and sisters who are like-minded, I hope that will encourage you in your devotion to Jesus. But I reckon it'll be outside of these walls where we have to express our devotion to him most clearly. It'll be at home when you're grumpy that you're most called upon to express devotion to Jesus. It'll be when the kids are pushing your buttons that you'll most clearly be able to show that you're a follower of his. It'll be when your spouse is at their most unattractive that you'll be able to demonstrate your love for Jesus most clearly. When your boss is being just difficult for the week after week after week, You'll be able to express your devotion when you're sitting in your study midway through the year and filling out your tax returns. It'll be in your conversations with others after dinner and late night drinks. You'll be able to express your devotion just when you're on your own, in your own thoughts, in the way in which you think of yourself and the way in which you're going to work in this world. This year, I want to encourage you as best as I can to make plans to be devoted to Jesus because he's worthy of it. He's the king the king who reigns, and yet he's a king who's devoted to us as well. I'm going to pray that we would do that, each of us then as a church. 
Father God, we thank you for this little story in the book of John that helps us to see Mary's devotion to your son. Thank you for her reckless abandon at that time in history when Jesus was with them to be able to demonstrate his kingly rule in the world. Father, we thank you that you're a God who cares for us enough that you would give your only son to die for us. We thank you that this shows you're devoted to us. And please, we ask this year, please fill us with your spirit that we might be able to express our devotion to you in a way that brings you glory and honour and pleasure. Amen.